society is the Gospel of Christ. And if you think about just one simple teaching of Christ, do unto others as you would have them do unto you, the world wouldn't be in the situation that it's in. And that just shows you the power of God's Word. But people need to heed it and listen to it. If you have your Bible, turn with me over to 1 John chapter 1. 1 John chapter 1. We're going to begin reading in verse 5. This then is the message which we have heard of Him, and declare unto you that God is light, and in Him is no darkness at all. If we say that we have fellowship with Him and walk in darkness, we lie and do not the truth. But if we walk in the light as He is in the light, we have fellowship one with another, and the blood of Jesus Christ His Son cleanseth us from all sin. If we say that we have not sinned, we deceive ourselves, and the truth is not in us. If we confess our sin, He is faithful and just to forgive us our sin and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. If we say that we have not sinned, we make Him a liar and the truth is not in us. My little children, these things I write unto you that ye sin not. And if any man sin, we have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ the righteous, who is the propitiation for our sins and not for ours only but also for the sins of the whole world. George Strait has a song. I might have mentioned this before. And the title of that song is A Love Without End, Amen. And when we think about the love of God, it is a love without end. And I think you could say at the end of that, Amen. But in that song, the last verse of that song, he says, Last night I dreamed I died and stood outside the pearly gates. And suddenly I realize there must be some mistake. If they know half the things I've done, they'll never let me in. And somewhere from the other side, I heard these words again. They said, let me tell you a secret about a father's love. The secret that my daddy said was just between us. You see, daddies don't just love their children every now and then. It's a love without end. Amen. When you think about God's love, that is very true, that it is a love without end. That it goes on for eternity. And He loves us and cares for us. But here John is dealing with a problem that he had to deal with, with false teaching that took place at that time. And some of the things that they dealt with are problems that we face today. And I thought it would be good to remind us of this truth, that God does love us, He doesn't ignore our sin, but He does expect us to sin. And John realized that there were people in his day that thought that they could live above sin, that they would not sin, that they were somehow like Teflon, that sin was not going to stick to them, that they could do whatever they wanted, but it wasn't going to stick to them. And we have people that believe that today. That they can do whatever they want to do if they're a Christian and it'll be okay. The Bible does not teach that. And we're never to a point where we can say that we are sinlessly perfect people and that we're not going to sin anymore. That may be our goal, but the Bible here plainly tells us and shows us that if that's what we say, that we have no sin, then the truth is not in us. And so John is dealing with that, and we need to deal with that today. 
And John is telling us that while that idea is false, the Christian has no need to be concerned about their salvation if they are truly walking in the light. That the blood of Christ will continually cleanse us. Now, I don't want you to go out this door today and say that, well, the preacher's teaching, once saved, always saved. Because I do not believe that. The Bible teaches us that a Christian can fall from grace... But I believe that the Bible also teaches us that as Christians, we can know and be sure and confident in our salvation. That I don't have to walk around and say, oh, I'm, I'm fearful. I, you know, God's just watching and He's going to get me when I do something wrong. I believe that God has made a way for a Christian, a child of God, a person that has been baptized in, in water for the remission of sin, and is a child of God. They've been washed by the blood of Christ. Lives a life. Can still have the forgiveness of sin. We know that God loves us. God loved us before we became a Christian. The Bible teaches us in Romans chapter 5 and verse 8. But God commendeth His love toward us in that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. So when I was in a state where I was lost, I was a sinner, outside of the body of Christ, God loved me enough to send His Son to die on the cross. John 3, verse 16 is another verse that proves how much God loved me even before I obeyed Him. But I know that He loves every person in this world and He wants all people to be saved. We also know that God loves us now that we're Christians. I think most of us in this room this morning are Christians. And so we know that God loves us. How do we know that? Again, the Bible tells us that. And we've been talking about that for the last couple of weeks. But in 1 John chapter 4 and verse 16, notice it's John once again who says, "...and we have, and we have known and believed the love that God hath to us..." God is love, and he that dwelleth in love dwelleth in God, and God in him. I want you to notice in the verses that we've looked at here in 1 John, John is a Christian, but yet when he talks about if we walk in the light, as he is in the light, and then if we walk in darkness, all of those things he includes himself in. And so he's saying that even as an apostle, it was possible that he could sin. That he, wasn't have, he had not reached a plateau in his Christianity where he was above sin. That we can still sin. And God still loves us as a Christian. I mentioned this passage of Scripture over, uh, over the last few weeks several times. Romans chapter 8, verse 35, beginning. Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall tribulation or distress or persecution, or famine, or nakedness, or peril, or sword. As it is written, for thy sake, we are killed all the day long. We are counted, accounted as sheep for the slaughter. Yea, in all these things we are more than conquerors through Him that loved us. For I am persuaded that neither death, nor life, nor angels, nor principalities, nor powers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor height, nor depth, nor any other creature shall be able to separate us from the love of God which is in Christ Jesus our Lord. And so we see from passages of Scripture that God loves us before we become a Christian, when we're alienated from Him, when we're in that lost condition. God loves us. 
But we also see that once we obey the Gospel, God still loves us. And guess what? Forever, God is going to love us. In, in, in Psalm chapter 136, verse 26, Oh, give thanks unto the God of heaven, for His mercy endureth forever. Now, there are some translations that I looked at that word mercy is replaced with love. You can't have mercy without love. We are to show mercy to people that may not even like us. But didn't Jesus say, love your enemies? It's hard to show mercy to people that you don't love. God shows His mercy to us because He loves us. And that's a fact of the Bible that we can look at and we can understand and see the importance of knowing that God loves us forever. So let's look at this passage of Scripture because I want to remind us that sometimes when we talk about walking in the light, we sometimes get to the point where we think that we have to be perfect. Well, we're striving for that. But sometimes we fall short of it. And sometimes we get discouraged when we think that we sin and somehow we're, we're not worthy of God's blessing. And so I want us to realize God still loves us even when we do sin. And He's made provisions for us when we do. In 1 John chapter 1, we're beginning in verse 5. Let's read it again. This then is the message which we have heard of Him and declare unto you that God is light and in Him is no darkness at all. If we say we have fellowship with Him and walk in darkness, we lie and do not the truth. But if we walk in the light as He is in the light, we have fellowship one with another and the blood of Jesus Christ His Son cleanseth us from all sin. You look at that word walk. It is a word that means present active. That we continually walk. We're walking in the light. What does that mean as a Christian? That every day that I get up, my goal is to serve God. My goal is to please God. My goal is to live a life of service to my Lord. That's walking in the light. Doing what He wants me to do. That may involve studying. That may involve doing some of the things that need to be done. It involves a lot of activities that God has told us that you and I as Christians need to be participating in. That we need to be doing. And we need to have the right motive as we go about doing those things that God wants us to do. 1 Corinthians the 13th chapter, I think, gives us an example of what should be the motivation behind the things that we do. And it is our love for God. We do those things because we love Him, because He first loved us. So God is light. And He talks about walking. And so are we walking in darkness? Hopefully, when people look at your life, they can see whether or not you are trying to walk in the light. We sing a song, or there's a song in our songbook. haven't sung it in a while, but it's trying to walk in the steps of the Savior. We're trying to do what He wants us to do. We want to do what we want to do, what He wants us to do. But think about that. The person that obeys the Gospel who has never known the Gospel may not have known the Lord, may not have known the Bible, and they obey the Gospel. Do you expect them to know every single thing that they're supposed to know? If The same as somebody that's been in the church for 30, 40, 50 years? 
I grew up in the church. That means I went to church all my life. And so I had godly parents. And so I learned right and wrong. I knew what we were supposed to do. I look at some of the things that are happening in the world and I think my parents would have killed me if I was involved with some of those things. But not everyone has that. And those that haven't had it, when they hear the Gospel and they obey the Gospel, do you expect them to know everything that this book says that they're supposed to do right from the get-go? If that's the case, then why are we to grow in the grace and knowledge of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ? It's a growth process. We grow. And sometimes we learn as we go. Think about your study. There are times that I've read stories over and over, Scriptures over and over, and I still learn something new from those passages of Scripture that I'm very familiar with. Some I could quote from memory, but when I reread them again, I learn something new. So can they see a difference in a person who's walking in the light? Trying to walk in the steps of the Savior? Follow what He said? As opposed to those that are walking in darkness? Turn on your TV. Really, I don't want you to do that. But turn on your TV and you can see people walking in darkness. There's a big contrast between the two. We are to walk in the light. Why are we to walk in the light? Because God is light. As it says there in verse 5, that God is light and in Him is no darkness. Light and darkness cannot exist in the same place at the same time. Light chases away darkness. The minute you turn the light switch on, the light bulb lights up, darkness is gone in the room. There may be dark spots. The other day, my grandson got his marbles out and opened the bag and picked it up about this high and let them fall out, and they went all over. He looked under the couch, but then he said, Papa, I need a flashlight. Well, why? Because it was dark under the couch and he couldn't see. But what happens when that light hit underneath that couch? You could see if there were marbles underneath the couch. You see, you look out today and you can see darkness. Even in this room with all the lights, you can see dark spots. There's under the pews, there's shadows. Under this table, there's shadows. As I mentioned this morning, on this side, there's shadows. Not over here because that light's out. But there's shadows. With God, there's not even a shadow. He's light. There is no darkness. And so we are striving to walk in the path that He wants us to walk. Why? Because that's where light is at. Following God's way. Obeying His will. You see, James chapter 1, and verse 17 tells us, "...every good gift and every perfect gift is from above and cometh down from the Father of lights." with whom is no variableness, neither shadow of turning. Wherever God is, is light. There is no shadow with God. There is no dark crevice. There is no closet. It's light. God is light. 
Claiming fellowship with God is futile. It's a waste of time without obedience. We still have to be obedient. It is important that we strive in walking in light to do our Father's will. That is our goal, to obey Him. James chapter 2 and verse 14. What doth it profit my brother though a man say he hath faith and hath not works? Can faith save him? Verse 17. So then faith, if it hath not works, is dead being alone. James is telling us it's not enough to just say, I believe God, I believe His Word, and I believe that it's all true. James is telling us, I need to put it into action in my life. I have to do something. In Hebrews chapter 5 and verse 8, though he were a son and yet learned he obedience by the things which he suffered and being made perfect, he became the author of eternal salvation unto all them that obey him. Obedience is important. In Matthew chapter 7, verses 21 through 23. Not everyone that saith unto me, Lord, Lord, shall enter into the kingdom of heaven, but he that doeth the will of my Father which is in heaven. Many will say to me in that day, Lord, Lord, have we not prophesied in thy name, and in thy name cast out devils, and in thy name done many wonderful works? And then will I profess unto them, I never knew you. Depart from me, ye that work iniquity. Obedience is important. Walking in that light is important. But do we get to a point where we can say we are sinless, that we are perfect, that we don't sin? James says no, or John says no. We still have to be examining ourselves. We still need to be looking at our life. I hear people say some crazy things. I've heard over the years Christians that will say something like this, I'm going to go over there and do that. I know I shouldn't go over there and do that because I, I, I shouldn't do that. But when I'm done doing that, I'm just going to ask God to forgive me. Is that walking in the light? You see, that's what John is trying to show us. Walking in the light is different than walking in darkness. If I'm walking in the light, I'm not looking to go over there and do those things that I know I shouldn't do where I have to ask God for forgiveness. That's walking in darkness. So don't deceive yourselves into thinking that it's okay to sin and then say, "Ah, oh, God, You'll forgive me. I think we're in dangerous territory when we say things like that. Jesus wants us to be obedient. But don't take His love for granted. He loves us and cares for us. Obedience to God will carry two blessings. One is fellowship with one another. When we obey the Gospel, we become a child of God. We're part of a family, God's family. And we have fellowship one with another. In John, or Acts chapter 2, verse 42, we know on the day of Pentecost when about 3,000 souls were added to the Lord's church. It says in verse 42, And they continued steadfastly in the apostles' doctrine and in fellowship and in breaking of bread and in prayer. They had fellowship. 
I don't believe that that fellowship just involved a potluck dinner. I don't believe that that fellowship just meant we shook hands. I don't believe that that fellowship just means we embraced. I believe that fellowship is talking about my relationship with God, my relationship with my brothers and sisters in Christ. When you look at the church at, at Corinth, did they have fellowship? When you look at that first chapter, when one's following Paul, one's following Cephas, one's following Apollos, did they have fellowship? Were they together? Part of our fellowship is the fact that we are God's people, that we're speaking the same things, that we believe the same things, that we teach the same things, that we're practicing the things that the Bible tells us that we need to do. That's part of fellowship. That's part of being together. And notice that they continue steadfastly in the apostles' doctrine. When you get outside of that, guess what? You don't have fellowship. Why is there so many religious, religious denominations out there in the world today? Because they're not all following the apostles' doctrine. And that's what happened at the church at Corinth. They weren't following what they were supposed to follow. And so they became divided. Fellowship doesn't happen when there's division. Galatians chapter 6, verse 2. Fellowship means that we bear one another's burdens and so fulfill the law of Christ. We're in this together. We're striving to help each other to get to heaven. We want each other to succeed in living that life. We are trying to help each other to walk in that light, to encourage people to do the right thing, to live the right way. That's walking in the light. And that's the fellowship that we can have as Christians. And the Bible tells us that the blood of Christ continually cleanses us from sin through the blood of Christ. In Ephesians chapter 1, verse 7, "...in whom we have redemption through His blood, the forgiveness of sin according to the riches of His grace." That continual cleansing, what does that mean? Does that mean that as I'm walking in the light, I sin, I just keep on going, and it, you know, I just, it's sort of like going through the car wash, it just happens? No, that's not what it's telling me. As I'm living the Christian life, as I'm walking in the light, striving to the best of my ability to live that Christian life, I sin. I don't have to go back and be baptized again. Although that when I became a Christian, when I obeyed the Gospel, my sin was washed away, I was cleansed, I've kind of dirtied up my soul again and it needs cleansed again by the blood of Christ. And so I have that way of having the forgiveness of sin. You've heard my story of the pig pen. Jumping in, falling flat on my back in the mud. Getting out of the pig pen saying, I'm never going to do that again. I did mention earlier my daughter laughed the whole time that she saw that, but then tried to get serious. I was like, oh, are you okay? But uh, I knew she was really not concerned about how okay I was. But anyway, as I said, that when that happened, I wanted to get in the house, and so I'm stripping on the way, trying to get the mud off of me, and I wanted to be cleansed. And so I jumped in the shower as quick as I could to get that washed off. And I relate that sometimes to obeying the Gospel. That when we are 
when we live the Christian, or when we when we decide to live the Christian life, we may from this point say, "I want to do what's right," but I still have all my sin from the past, and I have to take care of it. And it's like being in that pig pen, falling in the mud. I get the mud on me. Guess what? I want it off. Well, my sin, the Bible tells me to get rid of it. It has to be washed away by the blood of Christ. And in Romans chapter 6, verses 1-6, through 6, it tells me what I need to do. I need to be buried with my Lord in baptism. That's the watery grave of baptism. I go down in that water. I come up a new creature. I'm cleansed by the blood of Christ. It's not the water that cleanses me. It's the fact that I've obeyed what God told me to do in the water. And so by doing so, I come in contact with the blood of Christ and I come up clean. Just like going in that shower, I came out clean. But, when you have pigs, one of the things you learn is that they love mud. And they like to waller in the mud. And even though I had already said I was never going to jump that fence again, and I didn't, I would go out there on occasion, and they got big floppy ears, and they would do this, and that mud would get on me again. What did I have to do? I had to go get cleansed again. And that's basically what it's talking about here. I'm walking in the light. I've done something, said something, thought something, whatever. It was wrong. I look at my life, what do I say? I'm hopeless now. I've, I've dirtied up my soul with sin again. There's nothing I can do? No. John says, you can be cleansed again. You know you've muddied your soul? Take care of it. Examine yourself. Confess your sin to God. And He will forgive you. That blood continues to cleanse us. It keeps us clean from then on. It continues to do what it did in the first place. But I still have to meet the conditions that God has put forth. And so it doesn't, it doesn't just automatically happen. God says there's things that I have to do to make that happen. I want us to realize that sin is not acceptable, but it is inevitable. It is not acceptable. Now, those that would want to say, I've reached a point where I'm sin-free. Well, that's probably a sin there in itself. Since that's what the Scripture is telling us. If we say we have no sin, we deceive ourselves, and the truth is not in us. And guess what? We've made God a liar. Paul tells us not to compare ourselves to each other. When we compare ourselves to each other, it may be, yeah, I'm better than so-and-so. But when I compare myself to Christ, ask yourself, when you compare yourself to Christ, are you perfect? Are you like Him? Or do you need His blood? I know what I need. Do you know what you need? Sin is not acceptable. But notice again what John said. If we, 
including himself, an apostle, if we say that we have no sin, we deceive ourselves and the truth is not in us. If we confess our sin, He is faithful and just to forgive us our sin and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. If we say we have not sinned, we make Him a liar and His Word is not in us. Think about that. He included Himself. We're not above sin. That's why we need to be on guard in our lives. To be watchful for Satan who tempts us and tries to get us to do things. We need to be walking in the light. Doing what God wants us to do. Striving to the best of our ability so that when we do sin, we can confess that sin. We recognize it. We look for it in our life and say, wow, I should not have done that. And then ask God's forgiveness. So saying that we have no sin at best is deception because it's not true. And more accurately, it's a lie. Recognizing our sin should lead us to confess our sin. And confession as a Christian is a lifelong activity. Who do we confess to? John says we confess to God. Why do we need to confess to God? Why is it important to confess our sins to God? He already knows it. Because we need to know it. We need to be looking at our life as we're striving to walk in the light. We're not just saying, hey, I get to determine what's the light. I look at what God says is a light and I strive for that. And when I miss the mark, when I miss the goal, it's sinful. And I ask God to help me, to forgive me. In 1818, there was a doctor who realized that many women were dying in childbirth or from childbirth fever because people did not wash their hands. The doctors did not wash their hands. There was one out of six women who had children died from that disease or that sickness. He was trying to figure out what the problem was. He figured out what the problem was, and it was the fact was they started their day off doing autopsies. When I read it, it was the dissecting room. <laughs> but what a way to say autopsies. And then they would go and do their rounds, checking on their patients. And they didn't wash their hands. Can you imagine that? That is just like out of my, you know, that's just out of my league. I can't even think of that. Going and doing an autopsy and not washing your hands? But that's what they did. And because of that, people were dying. And so he figured that out. And his, when he figured out, he would wash, and his rate dropped to 1 in 50. And so he told his colleagues that this is what you need to do. And you know what they did? They laughed, him, laughed at him. 
because they thought that that was ridiculous. They vir and virtually no one believed him. He said, I'm not asking you to do something hard. Just wash your hands. But they laughed at him. Jesus isn't asking anything earth-shaking or shattering from us. He asks us to confess our sin, to regularly wash our soul before God. And it's essential. You hear that a lot nowadays. Wash your hands. It's essential. You need to do that. You need to wash them often, regularly. In fact, you, wherever you go, you see stuff there. So you clean your hands. A failure to confess our sins will result in spiritual infection and hinder our spiritual journey in this life. So we confess our sin. There's something that cleanses us. Besides the blood of Christ, something inside of us makes us feel cleaner when we acknowledge our sin to God. But James chapter 5 and verse 16 also tells us that we confess to one another. It says, Confess your faults one to another and pray one for another that ye may be healed. The effectual fervent prayer of a righteous man availeth much. Why do we confess to each other? I think part of it, it helps us to not become prideful. Because sometimes we think that we're better than other people. Sometimes when people see that, hey, you're just like me, it helps us to have a better fellowship. It helps us to encourage one another when we confess our faults to each other. It helps us to be what we should be as we're walking in the light. Not thinking that we're haughty and better than everybody else and look at them. No, it helps us to realize, guess what? You can look at me too because I'm not any better than you are. And that's really what Paul's message was in the first part of Romans when he addressed the Jews who thought they were better than the Gentiles. And then he talks about the Gentiles and then tells the Jews, guess what? We've all sinned. And we all come short of the glory of God. And so God's made a provision for us so that we can be cleansed again. And God does not want us to sin. He does not want that to take place. But Christ died because we do. And if a Christian sins, that Christian is not without hope. In 1 John chapter 4, verse 10, Herein is love, not that we love God, but that He loved us and sent His Son to be the propitiation for our sins. I know I've heard a lot of scenarios over the years what happens if you die before you have an opportunity to repent? The question is, are you walking in the light? Are you striving to the best of your ability? And if you sin, are you just automatically doomed? God is a God of love. God is a God of mercy. God is a God of long-suffering. Long I can't say what God would do. That would be between you and Him. But that's why we're striving to walk in the light. But I hear that when somebody maybe runs a red light or they're speeding and they get killed. Does that mean they're lost? Well, that's not for me to decide. But I do know that we have a merciful God. 
And so when you say things like that, people automatically, well, you know, I can go do whatever I want and it'll be okay. God's a merciful God. God's a merciful God, but He's also a God of wrath. And we need to realize that our goal should be to strive to do God's will all the time. But we also need to realize that as a Christian, when we sin, when we take care of it the way God wants us to take care of it, that blood continually cleanses us. Christ is our atoning sacrifice. I'm not saved because I'm so good. I'm not saved because I, I, I got it so well prepared in my mind. I'm saved because of what Jesus did on the cross. I need His blood. You need His blood. Everyone needs to be cleansed by His blood. The Bible tells us that He was the atoning sacrifice, that He paid the price for our sins, and that He is our propitiation. Propitiate means to appease and to render favorable. Jesus did that. If we got what we deserved, we would all been destroyed a long time ago. We see what happened in the day of Noah when people, when, when God became tired of their sin and He repented that He made man. We see what took place. There's another day of destruction coming and it's at the end. For those who are unfaithful to our God, unprepared to meet Him. And what a sad day that will be. And as a Christian, I think that it will even be sadder because we realize what we had. And we missed it because we were too prideful or just refused to forgive and ask God to forgive us. Jesus is that propitiation and we keep Him as that propitiation an advocate. And we keep on having Christ as a present remedy for sin in our life. You've heard the story of the ship's captain who saw a light off into the distance and he told his radio man to send the message. Alter your course 10 degrees. The message came back, alter your course 10 degrees south. The captain got mad and radioed back, alter your course, I'm a commander. The response was, alter your course. I'm a seaman third class. By then the captain was furious and radioed back, alter your course. I'm a battleship. The response came, alter your course. I'm a lighthouse. You see, we can argue with God all day. The Bible tells us that God is light. When God is like that lighthouse, He does not move and He does not change. We're to draw nigh to Him. We're to get close to Him. We're to follow Him. Nowhere does it say He follows us. Or that He draws nigh to us in the sense that He's going to meet us on our terms. We want to get close to Him. What do you think would have happened to that battleship if He'd have stayed on His course and just kept going? But imagine there would have been a shipwreck because he would have ran aground and probably destroyed his ship. What's going to happen to us if we refuse to listen to the light, listen to God and His Word? 
We're going to be destroyed. We're going to be lost. And Jesus came so that we don't have to be afraid of that. We don't have to worry about that. He dies for our sins so that you and I could be saved. But it's Jesus who said what we need to do in order to be saved. And He said very simply, He that believeth and is baptized shall be saved. You can do that today. Put your trust and faith in Him. He says it tells us to turn away from our sin. I tell you nay, but except you repent, ye shall all likewise perish. Luke 13, verses 3 and 5. <clears throat> and so we repent of our sins. And then Matthew chapter 10, and verse 32, He tells us that we must confess Him before men. And then we're buried with our Lord in baptism. Just like He said, He that believeth and is baptized. That's not Holy Spirit baptism. That is water baptism because that's exactly what they did on the day of Pentecost. And the Lord added them to the church. And that's where you see salvation in the Lord's church. Are you walking in the light? If not, do something about it. Acknowledge your sin. Talk to God. Ask His forgiveness. And then strive to get back on the right path. Because that blood is precious that was shed for us. If you need to respond to the invitation, you can do so while we stand and sing.